Hi finance leaders, Patrick here. Before the show, I wanted to invite you all to the CFO Connect Summit on September 27 and 28. It's free, fully virtual, and features finance pros from recent unicorns, VC firms, and plenty of traditional enterprises too. You won't find a better place to meet, learn from, and network with the modern finance community. And again, it's completely free to attend. Just head to cfoconnect.com and click the red banner at the top of the page. Now, it's time for CFO Year. Oh yeah. How does that fit in to a cohesive, larger vision We will always have enough cash around. Strictly business. 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 Hi, finance leaders, and welcome to CFO Year, your new favorite finance podcast. I'm Patrick, and I speak with finance leaders who know company growth inside out. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Veronica von Heiser-Rottenberg, CFO and Managing Director of the phone-as-a-service provider Everphone, where she is responsible for finance and legal. Everphone sources and deploys rental smartphones and tablets to companies. After studying law and economics and starting her career at McKinsey, she worked in automotive banking and leasing and joined German auto subscription startup Cluno in 2018 as CFO and later managing director. Cluno was acquired by Kazoo in 2021 and Veronica took over the accounting, controlling, refinancing, legal and financial technology in Kazoo's German and French companies. Since 2012, she's been a guest lecturer at universities and holds seminars for Management Circle, Forum Institute and Academy Heidelberg, among others. She's also a member of the supervisory board of Project Group, a provider of real estate funds. We spoke about her first weeks in a brand new role, working through the holidays to complete a major acquisition, and her best advice for professionals lacking self-confidence. Today's episode is brought to you by Spendesk, the all-in-one spending solution that puts finance teams in control with 100% visibility into company spend. And by CFO Connect, a global community for finance leaders. Join us at cfoconnect.com and you can email podcast at cfoconnect.com with any questions or feedback. Dr. Veronica, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Hello, nice to be here. Thanks for the invite. We're really excited to, to speak with you today. I know we've got, we, we were just speaking before we started recording and we've got some really interesting topics to discuss. Um, of course, our listeners may not know much about you. So the best place to start is if you could tell us a bit about yourself, your background, your career journey so far, and then we'll dive into um, the specifics after that. Well, of course. So I'm Veronica. I'm a digital finance expert and startup CFO. And I recently joined Everphone, a Berlin-based device-as-a-service company, as CFO heading finance and legal department. Um, before that, I was working at Cluno, a Munich-based startup for car-as-a-service, which made an exit to Kazoo, the British um, online car retailer. And previous to that, various positions in the automotive industry. So throughout my career, it's probably almost been in asset-heavy businesses and industries um, with a spike on, on the one hand, efficiency um, in finance operations, and on the other hand, debt financing of assets. So that's my spike. That's what I like doing, and that's what I'd probably continue for the time of my tenure at Everphone. 
Um, we're working with a team of roughly um, 20 in finance and legal at a company size of 280, supplying major German and international clients with phones and tablets. They come fully equipped with MDM and if the customer so wants with mobile um, mobile phone contracts. So mm -hmm. the individual that is receiving that device only needs to plug them in. They will connect to the MDM of the customer and will be ready to be used um, instantly. Just just take us through that um, that acronym you're using, MDM, MVM? MDM, that's mobile device management. Actually, it sounds like I'd be a professional there. I just learned it some weeks ago. Um, <laughs> it's the fact that um, a mobile phone is connected to the server of the customer um, where it gets the information on which apps to use, whether to have a private and a personal space, um, mm. which is which um, apps are permitted on the phone and which are not. Um, all that information that's been a bit tiring to configure on a phone. And we don't want either the customer's IT support having to do that, nor mm. the individual user, but we provide that service included in our total value package. Wonderful. Uh, who are who are typical clients for you? What kinds of businesses? Um, actually, that doesn't matter. We have about everything from big German insurance companies. About that. Um, have you come from a classic accounting background? Is that what you studied? Unfortunately, no. So I did a new line of study, which was law and economics, with a focus on law of roughly 60%. Um, a bit of economics, um, let's say 30%, and English and French as foreign languages um, for the remainder. Um, accounting really is my weakest point. Um, so I'd say I'm rather like strategic finance um, mm. than accounting based. And, and you, in fact, described yourself as a digital financing, uh, digital finance expert, excuse me. What, what does that mean? To me, it means to be open to new technology and to find, whenever possible, a way to digitize processes, to digitize controls, and to make our daily finance work reliable, fast, and really fun to work with instead of tiring um, Excel sheet reconciliation and manual bookings. There are hmm. multiple um, projects running on that. It could be the introduction of credit cards and automatic booking rules. It could be automatic booking from bank accounts. It could be financial reporting with tools that makes it really easy to understand what's going on. Um, that depends on the company and I'm sure we will discover many ways of doing so at Everphone. Um, mm. But for now, it just means that all of that manual work and all of that um, checks and double checks needs to be made efficient and needs to be made real, real fast. And that's not possible without technology. So you joined Cluno in 2018. Cluno later was acquired by Kazoo. And then you ended up leaving a, a month or two ago in 2022. Indeed. What made it the right time to move for you? I guess I always have that kind of four-year cycles in my career. So I left um, McKinsey a bit shorter than four years, but I left full, full service leading to uh, spin off a fleet management company um, within four years. I left that venture and um, its acquirer, an Austrian bank, um, when I had a tenure of about four years. Now for Cluno, it's four years again. 
I believe that's a good um, time frame to judge if your work has been efficient and um, to have grown your team, to have introduced many things and then lead over to people who are maybe better in conserving things instead of building things up. Mm. And so I had a lot of learnings at Cluno, such as scaling the team from two to 20, refinancing from 4 million to 140 million. And again, um, at Kisu, all at a much bigger scale, up to 40 employees, different forms of refinancing, and also um, some experiences on the spec IPO Kisu did in August of 2021. We introduced mm -hmm. the Kisu business model in Germany and in France. Um, and I also had established a strong second row of colleagues. So I believe it was time and everyone was well prepared for me to leave. And now you've been at Everphone for weeks, if I have that right. Yeah, how, indeed. How, how's it going? <laughs> it's beautiful chaos. There's a lot of um, new things to learn and to understand. There's a lot of things to clean up, which is probably normal if you're coming into a business and um, yeah, need to prepare it in a way that you can work with it, which doesn't mean everything that has been is bad or is not usable. It just means that I have to make it fit with myself and the style of work, the style of presentation, the style of information I'd need um, to continue to make it successful. Um, I guess there's a bunch of amazing people there, not only in the finance department, mm. but throughout the company, we had a very warm welcome by everyone. And so um, I'm still thrilled for the job and for the new challenges. Do you go into a new role like this with a, a plan, a 90-day plan, a 100-day yes, plan? Yes, <laughs> Yeah. What does your 90-day or 100-day plan sort of look like broadly? Um, I'd say the most important would be to understand the business and the industry. It's the first time I'm switching industry. So this is really important for me. It's a bit frightening because I've been in automotive all my life. So um, even though I'm not an automotive fanatic myself, I'd know some things about it. I'd know I'd have some contacts and stuff. So IT and IT services is pretty new. I'd give myself probably two months to understand the industry, to understand our budget, our plannings, also to form relationship with my directs and with our investors and start working efficiently in the third month of building up some new reportings. Um, intensifying relationship with external such as banks such as potential new investors such as suppliers and the biggest customers i don't think within 90 days you can reach a lot um, but what would be feasible and what i would want to achieve is to understand most of it and um, to bring a kind of six month plan nine month plan what mm. i will have achieved by year's end and what I believe um, we'd need by then, also with resources and stuff, so that um, with the CEO and with the investors, we can come up with a plan whether this is necessary, whether this is sensible, and how to make it come true. You're coming into a, a finance function. You said you, there are 20 people in the finance and legal team. Can you just um, unpack a little bit or explain what that team looks like and, and how it operates? So the vast majority is accounting. Because um, indeed, that's usually where our finance function starts. Um, we have the traditional teams, uh, accounts payable, accounts receivable, um, two team leads that are facilitating um, monthly closing, um, head of accounting, 
And also we will start working with a tech specialist and with a consolidation specialist shortly. On the corporate finance side, we have um, a head of corporate finance who is expert in both equity and debt financing with a smaller team. Um, and I'm heading also the data department, um, which is as well new to me. I've worked closely with them in previous ventures, but I haven't headed them. So I'm learning a lot of new stuff on data setup, data warehousing, data mm. tools as well. Um, legal is has not yet been a team um, for now, so um, I'm looking forward to welcome our first hire, our head of legal, um, pretty soon and then build up a real department. Right now we're working with a lot of externals, which however I have to got to know and also align with um, in order to make a seamless transition um, to our internal colleague and to at least be able to decide what we want to tackle internally and what we will continue to hand out to external experts in the future. You, you said you're in a new industry. You've spent um, a lot of time in automotive and now it's IT focus. Are there similarities in the business model at all? It's sort of yes, leasing, indeed. Subs leasing subscription of hardware? Indeed. And I believe mm -hmm. um, that's also one of the things I can definitely bring into um, the new role that I have that understanding of um, something that is an asset, a, a tangible asset as mm. service, which means all the breakdown of unit economics, all the different levers one could tackle in order to improve them. Also, um, the, the refinancing side on how to get that asset-based credit we talked about last time, um, how to account for it, how to report to banks. So that's pretty similar. Yeah. You're, you're referring to, we, we spoke about two years ago when you were at Cluno and we spoke, we talked mainly about um, debt financing using, at that point, that was cars being leased and, or subscribed, um, using those cars as the asset or as the, the, the security and loans to then get a lot more financing. Indeed. I and Everphone is doing... a terrible job of explaining that. <laughs> Everphone is doing um, exactly the same, just yeah. not for cars, but for mobile devices. For phones and for tablets. Is, and, and I mean, I know you've only been there a very short amount of time. There is exactly the same potential. There's this, it's not fundamentally any different um, getting From financing. From the refinancing side, I'd say the one biggest change probably is that we hold a large inventory in order to be able to serve customers instantly. Mm. So it would mean that we'd also need inventory financing without associated cash flows. And um, for mobile devices, there isn't as much second market data available that is trusted by banks. So we have our own data for now five years of operations. We have mm. certain data facilities that are crawling the web and generating use device prices, but there is no AutoVista, Schwacke, DRT list that tells me exactly which value um, car bought new today will have in three years time. And that's mm. certainly a trust issue with bank and Everphone was very successful to establish that tr trust so that indeed we can have asset-based financing, not only on the customer cash flows, but also on the residual value of devices. Think you have company cash under control? You may have a process to pay people back, but company spending is so much more than expense claims. 
Spendesk gives you one system to replace your old-fashioned company cards, track online payments easily, and process supplier invoices faster than ever. Whether you're a growing startup or you've been doing this for decades, it's never too late to upgrade. Graduate from basic expenses to spend management today. Try Spendesk. Outside of the, the kind of core finance function, what are your most important roles and responsibilities as a leader? Well, I'd say for now, it's just um, making myself known, um, establishing mm. trust with a founder, of course, with the investors, with, with the rest of the leadership team and with the company as a whole. Um, and then like working my way slowly down. I don't think um, coming into a company of that size I will be able to understand or drive every topic, but I believe that personal trust base will enable me to come in once something is burning or close to burning and be able um, to help out solving it. All right. I'd like to uh, transition now slightly to sort of mergers and acquisitions, which of course you've been heavily involved in. And I think our listeners would be furious at me if I didn't ask you about, <laughs> about uh the acquisition of Cluno by Kazoo, both companies you ended up working for. How involved were you in that process? Pretty much involved. I guess I was one of um, four people, the founders and myself, knowing about it. It was a pretty intense um, discussion. Um, we received the term sheet on Christmas Eve. Mm. So uh, we started negotiating. We were done by New Year's Eve and uh, started due diligence on the first day of the new year, which is um, actually a good time in one way because you have um, a closed year of data mm. set to disclose. On the other hand, you don't have any audited accounts. You have to do everything hyper quickly in order to finish due diligence and finish the deal um, within the time frame given to you. And so this was really a very, very intense, but then successful time. And then at the end of that process, you go from sitting at the opposite ends of the table with the people you were negotiating with to working directly with them. True, which was also interesting because um, in comparison to others um, in Cluno's leadership, I had been able to establish trust with my counterpart and later um, superior already during the due diligence process. So I believe for myself and also for the sake of the finance department and maybe um, the company continuity, this was very helpful indeed. Were the economics in the deal pretty obvious? It was a natural fit between the two companies? I'd say so, yes. Because actually Kasu's business model is to sell very young used cars to consumers. Cluno's okay. business model and the same as Drover's business model and other venture um, Kazoo acquired a short time previous to Cluno is to buy new cars from OEMs at a certain discount, to rent them out to consumers and business customers, and to operate them in a way that we control damage management, that we control um, the mileage driven and the like. So basically, Cluno's business model is producing the very young used cars the Kazoo business model sells to the market. And also mm. on the economics of um, Cluno cars, this is an amazing upgrade because um, by selling um, B2C, you make obviously roughly 700 to 900 more 
than you would as um, compared to selling B2B. Really? Can you can you tell us more about that, how that works? Well, that's, that's just a very old number that is in... That is known to automotive industry. It's been the same in fleet management, in full service leasing. Um, basically, if a dealer buys the car to sell it onto a consumer, they would price in their margin. Mm. Depending on the car, this would be something between 700, 900, maybe 1,000. So if you are able to refurbish the car efficiently, which Kazoo does with their own facilities, and then sell it directly to the consumer, also taking over the guarantee you have to according to European law, then you would partake in that um, yeah, surplus profit and mm -hmm. cut out the dealership. That is fascinating. I had never thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I guess it's really an automotive, um, an automotive speciality. Mm. It, this, all of this negotiation and everything took place during the, the COVID pandemic? Indeed, indeed. Um, you, well, yeah. I, I believe um, end of 2020, beginning of 2021, everyone was pretty much accustomed to it. Mm. Um, so yes, it felt kind of strange not to meet for negotiation, but then it was winter time, it was a foreign country, so everyone was aware before even starting the process this would be how it would have to be, just for obvious reasons. Um, I didn't feel so very much differently from other more normal negotiations or fundraisings. Mm. Were there clear lessons from the process? Uh, things that you think other people may be going through in M&A in the near future need to know? Well, I'd say one thing the founders um, hammered into my mind from the very first day on um, prepare for due diligence always. You need to be mm -hmm. like due diligence ready within a few hours. You have to have your contracts named according to convention. You have to have the budget ready. You have to have a budget introduction. Um, all accounting numbers ready and sorted for each of the daughter companies and consolidated. Um, it all needs to be basically ready and just um, be able to assembled in a data room. And that's what we did. It was a smooth and fast process, but it wasn't much different from what we did um, before that Kazoo exit in other financing rounds. It was just um, more data, partially different data, um, because uh, Kazoo also wanted to make um, sure that um, the staff would fit their plannings for the European expansion and the like. So we, mm. we did some more work on that. We did some more work on culture, on values and the like. Um, but on the hard data, it was just the usual. And so um, if I was asked for advice, I'd say always have it ready. Even if you're not planning a, a, yeah. an M&A. Indeed, yeah. indeed. And in your case, have it ready digitally. That's part of having it ready. <laughs> true, very true. I don't know if, if anyone would still work with those folders if you sent them over. I remember in the early days of my career at McKinsey, um, you were allowed into a room um, at a certain time frame. You mm -hmm. were allowed to look at the data. You could type those data into um, your computer Excel sheets or whatever. You were not allowed to receive digital copies. You were not allowed to photograph. You could just um, basically type up information. That was really, really strange. Wow. 
I can't imagine how many errors were made just through, course, you know, people trying to move too quickly. And basically, census work, there were endless numbers of associates, each one of us ha having one folder and trying to digest the information as quickly as possible because you know you knew you had, whatever, 10 days mm. from 8 till 8, um, heavily supervised by the target um, to absorb the information. If you're enjoying this conversation, then you've got to check out CFO Connect, the global community for modern finance leaders, like the ones on this podcast. We host monthly events and workshops, have a private Slack group for CFOs, and a one-on-one -on -one member matching program. CFO Connect membership is free, but reserved for experienced finance leaders. So if that's you, head over to cfoconnect.eu and apply to join us. Uh, to change topic again completely, you I know you do some guest lecturing at universities, you host or present seminars. Uh, maybe tell us a bit about that. It's just something that's come across naturally. So um, I believe um, I took over from my former boss once because he didn't have the time for it and I found out I really liked it. Um, I believe knowledge sharing is one of the greatest things the startup industry does. Mm. And so to me, it feels just like a bit advanced knowledge sharing to prepare a topic in a way that someone who hasn't worked in it before can rapidly understand it and then roll it out to their businesses. Um, I really like to teach, so it's come natural and people seem satisfied with what I do and how I do it. That's how it's evolved. And especially with students, it's also um, feeling feeling um, useful teaching them some mistakes I have made so they wouldn't have to repeat them. Hmm. What, what exactly are you teaching? Um, well, it can be uh, guest lectures at universities. Um, and depends on the topics that um, yeah, the university suggests me to do. Mm. And um, on the other hand, it can be also mentoring. So sometimes, um, for example, Konrad Adenauer Stiftung or Bavarian Elite Academy sent me their pupils um, on mm. things as career development, personal development. There might be special questions, for example, um, on career de development as a lawyer or as a young woman in leadership, whatever, questions yeah. to discuss either with a bunch of them or one individual in a very focused way. All right, I'm going to turn now to our quick fire questions uh, with which we end each episode. So the first question is, what is one finance tool you couldn't live without? Um, I'm advised that I have not to say Excel, which I would like to say because it's really yes, true, please. but yeah. I'd say a well-configured ERP system that does it all, that is multi-currency, that is multi-reporting standard, really, really does the trick. So we introduced NetSuite in our previous company. We're right now in the scoping phase for one at Everphone, and I'm not sure what the system will be, but I'm pretty sure once you have introduced a powerful tool, a lot of outside reportings and data collections um, will have to go. Mm. When you are making your decision at Everphone, what are the kinds of things that you're looking for? Obviously, I'm sure you're considering NetSuite and, and it's 
you know, we don't need to go into NetSuite specifically, but if, it, if you are choosing between two tools, what are your kind of decision points? It will be a long list of topics. So basically, we work on a scoping phase where we would define which are the necessities for us and for our business model. This okay. would be smallish things such as um, the system needs to be cloud-based. We don't want to have any servers hanging around, such as we need to be able to do the administration stuff, but it also needs to have all the certificates to be able to work under German GAP and US GAP. Uh, multi-currency... Mm. Um, multi-gap um, is something I already mentioned. And then we would send that out to um, providers. We would get um, their estimate if those functionalities are standard in their tools or not. And then probably narrow it down by um, cost and by understanding what they generally cover and what would be an individualized suggestion. We would have mm -hmm. a tender offer by probably three to four and meet them to um, understand their system, also have a little case study. Um, I'd assume it would be following one device around from being bought to being depreciated, to being potentially um, replaced during a rental, to being sold off, mm. switch to customers, having a second rental, whatever, and following through how easy that is in the system, um, how the reporting looked like and the like. Um, to understand if the system really fits with our business model or if we'd have to do too many adaptation um, to make it a smooth process for us. Hmm. And just out of interest, um, in, in your head, how much time are you budgeting for this? <laughs> for, it to be, for it to be up and running, I mean, how long do you think, what do you think is reasonable? So um, last time we did it, we had a three-month scoping phase where we got to know all the system providers wanted to offer. Mm -hmm. We had a kickoff 19th of November and we started 1st of May. So five month period. Yeah. This was in time and in budget. Actually, we would have preferred to start 1st of April, but this was uh, 2019. And so we weren't able to do a live testing of everyone in one room due to COVID pandemic. That's right. why we delayed by one month. I'd assume that like, a six-month period for introduction after the decision would be reasonable. But it also depends on the supplier, on the implementation provider, on the staff they have available. Um, that's, I don't think, something we alone can decide, but um, it depends on many factors also on our suppliers. Okay, on to question two. If there was one part of your day-to-day -day you could outsource completely and forget about, what would it be? I believe tax. So we're supplying um, customers who have employees in a great many countries. Um, doing the tax work, doing customs um, is necessary for our business model because we want to provide a one-stop solution for our customers. But it's really a pain and also cost-intensive to do it with um, external ad advisors. I'm sure there are plenty of listeners who know that pain. <laughs> What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, it's probably something um, many women need to hear. If someone else tells you you're ready for and you're able to do a certain job, you probably are ready, even if you feel you can't do it. Um, I found that at a certain point in my career that I didn't trust myself enough to make the next step. 
I was convinced by former boss. And unfortunately, I see that in some of my colleagues and I'll try to convince them likewise. And finally, which other finance leaders do you talk to or learn from regularly? I think if I name them, it would be an endless list, but um, I indeed found many acquaintances in CFO Connect community. And it's always a great learning, irrespective of the size and the importance of the company. Um, many of the questions that come up during a workday are asked by someone who has been in that situation. And so it's most valuable advice, even better than advisors or externals or just Googling it because someone has been in exactly that situation. Um, I always love to get to know people, to hear from diverse profiles, diverse industries. Um, and there are many good acquaintances, um, some friendships, which has come out of um, yeah, this, this connection, this community. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Uh, everybody will be thrilled to hear that. Um, genuinely, that's wonderful to hear. Dr. Veronica, thank you so much for joining us on CFO Yeah. Thanks for having me and have a good afternoon. CFO Year is brought to you by CFO Connect, the fastest growing global community for finance leaders. Join us for webinars and workshops, get our expert resources, and be a part of an exclusive Slack group just for CFOs. Join the community and exchange ideas with CFOs from the most exciting companies in the world. Just visit cfoconnect.eu.